Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 8. Then came, oh, I got to say this before we go on. Tell Bishop Mark Philke, he's a robber. (laughs) I ain't going to call him a thief, but he's a robber. Tim has been flying all the way from Connecticut to California just about every weekend to lead praise and worship for one of my great friends, Bishop Mark Filkey. And when I heard that, I said, the devil is a lie. I'm just playing. But I thought, if you could fly to California from Connecticut every Sunday, you could at least stop in here about two times a month. All right, we're going to talk about that. Back to the scripture. (laughs) Then came Amalek and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose out men and go out, fight with Amalek. And Moses said, tomorrow I will stand. Let's say that together. Tomorrow I will stand. And he said, I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. I was watching River this morning lift his hands up here. And I thought, just hold those hands up, son. You'll get the victory. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and hers stayed up his hands. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The Lord said to Moses, write this for a what? Say it loud. Memorial in a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek From generation to generation. I'm going to preach today a message entitled, A Memorial Called Jehovah Nissi. If I was going to subtitle the message, I would call it, It Takes Two. Look at three or four people and tell them, It Takes Two. It Takes takes Two. You may be seated. I was thinking this morning on the way to church about culture. And I thought how churches are being built today on culture points. And they put culture phrases throughout their church. That culture has become so important in the church that in many ways, culture is overriding doctrine. We used to build churches on doctrine. 
We called it foundations of faith. Now we build churches on the preferences of the people. If you build churches on the preferences of the people, you will always be at their command. But if you build churches on foundations of faith that are built doctrinally correct, sometimes that presentation puts pressure on the people. Hmm. I believe that preachers need to come to a place that they realize that it is not their job to make everyone feel good all the time. That many times it is their responsibility to make people uncomfortable, to make them non-complacent, to lean on the people a little bit. Because until you push, we can't go up. I'll just leave that thought there. What I was thinking about culture versus doctrine, and then I thought about culture versus community. See, it's not really what you are presenting as culture points that is more important than the community around you. You see, people leave churches because of weak community. Or the idea of they have not built or established strong relationships within the community of the church. I call this the baluster philosophy. Balusters are support systems. They help us achieve and become everything that we are supposed to be. They insulate us and protect us from enemies that would be in our communities or in our cities or in our neighborhoods. It is important not only where you are connected, but to whom you are connected. America is strong. And some would say it's not as strong as it used to be. I agree with you. But the reason it is not as strong as it used to be is because we left our very foundations. We left our doctrinal points. Talk back to me. And now any a community has evolved into what is called a society where everyone's opinion matters. In my house, my opinion as a child didn't matter. When daddy told me to get out the road, I didn't have the authority, the right to say why. If he said get out the road, you just get out the road. I heard one of the grandchildren the other night at the, our house with Jesse and Paula uh, bark back at Jesse about something about why. And, and Jesse just said, because I said so. And I got a Holy Ghost chill bump on my neck. I thought, thank God for a man that I don't need to explain myself. I wouldn't be telling you if it was not in your best interest. Woo. 
And tomorrow this nation will pause and we will celebrate the sacrifice of men and women that gave their lives, listen to me, for the freedom you enjoy. So even though America is not what it used to be, and somebody said, do you believe America will come back? America will come back when the church comes back. You will not find the strength of America in an educational institution. You will not find the strength of America in a governmental house. You will find the strength of America in churches that burn with the Holy Ghost and preach an unpolluted word from Scripture. That has to come back. Doctrine has to come back. Faith has to come back. Community will gravitate to truth. So tomorrow we pause and we have Memorial Day. It's more than just a memory. It's more than a picture. It's more than a memorandum. It's a memorial. Over 30 times in the Bible does the Bible speak of memorials. Hmm. Memorials are important. And God tells Moses, write this as a memorial. And then he says what? Rehearse it in the ears of your successor. In other words, do not allow what is following you to forget what I've done for you. Do not allow what is following you to forget what I've done for them. I say bring God back to the house. Bring the Holy Ghost back to God's house. Let me get in this text. Because really, when Tim's here, he makes me want to preach like four hours and 12 minutes. I'm going to try to abbreviate that today, but when I think about this text, the first thing I think about is where this incident occurred. See, John, it happened at Rephidim. Now, that's important because Rephidim literally means the support system. When you are at Rephidim, that is the place where you find out who and what is supporting you. But not just where it happened. When did this incident happen? With Moses on the mountain and the rod raised and Joshua winning the valley, winning the battle in the valley as long as his hands were up. When his hands were weak, Joshua would lose and Amalek would win. When did that happen? It happened when the water ran out. You know the water that God was giving his people? It was a miracle. They were receiving water from a rock. And the water supply was cut off. See, when the water runs out, need, listen to this quote. This is a Rick Hawkins quote for you that are tweeting. Need will always put a demand on commitment. Need will always put a demand on commitment. 
As long as there's no need, everyone follows. But when things get tight, we find out who is committed. Need puts a demand on commitment. So now we ask ourselves, who? Who are the Amalekites? Amalek literally means those that live or dwell or inhabit valley places. They are settled to live in the less than regions of life. They like the bottom. They're bottom feeders. At this point, Amalek is no longer a tribe. They are a raiding party. They're not even strong enough to be called a troop. They were bandits. Listen to it. They were bandits who would sneak in to Israel's camp and rob them. The Amalekites, according to Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 17, God said, always remember what Amalek did. Don't ever forget what Amalek did. He met you by the way and he came from the hindmost part and he attacked the feeble and the faint and the weary. Amalek attacks from the past. He comes from behind you. And he, that spirit finds you when you are tired, when you are weak, when you are weary, and he will pounce on you. Because he's not strong enough to come from in front of you or to face you. Many of you are dealing with experiences and issues from your past that sneak up on you. They know they can't take you out, but they can just make you miserable. Generational curses, generational spirits, things that drop down on you that you didn't ask for. Things you've had to deal with your whole life. Internal conflict that you had to battle your whole life. That you didn't even know where it came from. But it was a spirit that was passed down. Not strong enough to destroy you. But strong enough to make your life miserable. Pastor Rick came by today to tell you. We are going to annihilate the spirit of Amalek from your life today. I want you to shout with me today, that issue ends, comes from your past, attacks from behind. Now watch how Moses planned his victory over Amalek. Back to our text, Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, choose out men. Choose out what? Men. Where are the men? I could preach on this here all day. You know what the church needs to do? Go on a man hunt. Not a male hunt. Not male. Man. Not the male gender. Man. You never hear words like man, manhood, manliness. 
I'm looking for Marlboro Man and Harley Davidson. I'm looking for the Duke. I'm not looking for them dudes at the Sonic Drive-In. I'm looking for men, men. He said, choose out men. <laughs> I just want to preach on that, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And go fight. Choose out men and go fight. With Amalek. Moses said, I'm going to stand on top of the mountain with the rod of God in my hand. When you look at verse 11, it says, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, they prevailed. When his hands came down, Amalek prevailed. Have you ever heard a preacher, I thought I heard one this morning, singing right here, say, lift up your hands. You know what is more frustrating than anything in the world? It's to hear praise and worship people, leaders, have to say, Lift up your hands. The Bible says, you don't have to say. The Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. The Bible talks about lift up your weak hands, strengthen your feeble knees. The Bible over and over talks about lifted hands. Why do we have to urge? Get your hands up, lift your hands up. Who shall ascend the heel of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. I dare you to throw both hands up right now and shout hallelujah. Now don't that feel good? Can you do it one more time? Come on, just say hallelujah. Now look, hold your hands up and look across the building. Just look around you. That looks like strength. That feels like fortitude. It appears like someone is getting victory. Hmm. Sit on down. His strategy was this. If I can keep my hands up, we're going to win this battle in the valley. So the Bible says, he chose Aaron and her. I hope I preach so good today that a lady breaks her heel. <laughs> I do. I pray the fire hits this place today till somebody lose their weave. <laughs> I pray the Holy Ghost jump on this till the curls of your hair straighten right on out. <laughs> I pray. I remember the Holy Ghost hit a church in Baton Rouge when I was traveling with Bishop Pearson. I was the only white boy in the place. I was about 21 years old. I was going to get mine. I said, if that's the way y'all get it, then that's the way I'm going to get it. If it takes clapping and bucking and stomping and dancing, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to do that. I was clapping so hard, somebody just bought me a brand new watch. My watch just flew, hit the ground, slid under the pew. 
I just kept on clapping. But don't you think I took my eye off that watch. The Bible says that he chose Aaron and her. Shout it as loud as you can. It takes two. Say this with me. Two are better than one. Do you believe that? Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Study the word. Do the etymology. It comes from the word dominion. Where there is two, you have dominion. God in the book of Genesis chapter 1 did not give dominion to Adam. He gave dominion to Adam and Eve. You can have some freedom by yourself. You can even have authority by yourself. But you can't have dominion until you are connected to somebody else. Lord have mercy. It takes two to have dominion. You cannot have agreement by yourself. Agreement takes two. So Jesus said if any two of you agree as touching anything, don't you think the devil is slick? He's got us locked up behind screens by ourselves. He's got kids sitting in living rooms while conversations are going on. Focus right here on this screen. Kids, what you talking about? I'm talking about adults too. I'm talking about married people sitting in an airport having a sandwich, ain't even talking to each other, looking at their screen because he wants to isolate you and he wants you to walk in the spirit of independence and not interdependence. Two is better than one. That's why you all not come to church and not get connected. You all not come to the house of God, walk in by yourself, leave by yourself. You ain't shook nobody's hand. You ain't hugged nobody's neck. You ain't invited nobody to lunch. I'm fine by myself. No, you are not fine by yourself. God did not create you to be on an island all alone. He created you for community. Even God himself expresses himself in plurality. He is God the Father. He's God the Son. He's God the Holy Ghost. We need more than you. We need us. That's why Nehemiah said, let us rise up and build. He didn't say, I'm going to rise up and build. He said, let us. So some of you got this attitude, well, nobody at the church likes me. That's because you mean that's because you don't talk to nobody. That's because you just get up and leave. The Bible says if you want friends, show yourself friendly. Well, I'm bashful. Get over it. Well, I'm shy. Get over it. Well, I'm, you know, introvert. Get over it. I'm preaching better in this sanctified church than y'all talking back to me. Two is interesting because now... Ooh, I wasn't going to preach like this, but I feel this thing now. It offers you the idea of contrast to compare in respect to differences, not for the purpose of making one better than the other, but for the respect of who the other one is. 
Contrast, woo, is a powerful thing. You can find it in Genesis chapter 1 that when God created the earth, what did he do? He gave us light and darkness. He gave us day and night. He gave us the sun and the moon. He had a heaven and an earth. These are contrasting elements. Thank God we're not all white. I ain't get no amen from the white people in the building, but that's all right. Thank God we're not all black. Thank God we're not all Hispanic or Asian, but thank God that God created a universe. God created a world. God created an earth. God created a people that don't look just like you. That's called contrast. It's not called competition. It's not called your enemy. It's called contrast. If you don't have the proper contrast in a picture, it becomes distorted. Y'all missing the word here today. When you don't have contrast in a picture, it becomes distorted. We need contrast. I don't want to pass an all-white church. I don't want to pass an all-black church, all-Hispanic church, all-Asian church. I want to pastor this church. Look around you. Britt, turn me up a little bit. I don't think they hear the preacher today. Lord have mercy. Thank God somebody dresses different than you. Thank God somebody walks different than you. Thank God somebody has an accent different than yours. Tia Cooper was at my house the other night with all the people. And she was telling Caleb and Shannon. When I first came to the church, I heard Pastor Rick for the first time preaching. When Pastor Rick first started coming to the church, she'd been here since she was a baby. And she said, I run in the building because I thought we had had a black preacher preaching. <laughs> she said, I came in and lo and behold, he was white. And many of you have asked me about that. <laughs> Where you get that, where's that accent? I used to have people come to our church, Tim will tell you, our church was 90% black in San Antonio. We had over 4,000 people at our height. Now, let me tell you something. They thought they were coming to see a black man because I was on the radio every day at noon. And I had Tim Johnson on the... And they, that's what happened to Jesse and Paula. Paula used to listen to me every day at noon on her lunch break. Tell them, Paula. Every day on her lunch break, she listened to Pastor Brick preach. And she told her husband, I got to go see who this man is. They walked in and they said, where's the preacher? They said, he's right there. And she said, no, I'm talking about the one we hear on the radio. You weren't born where I was born. I was born in South Louisiana. Y'all don't hear me. My best friends were black guys. Because we played football and basketball together. But everybody in my family talks like me. Therefore, you are weird and I'm normal. What you see is what you get. Everyone shall contrast. Let's appreciate it. Let's appreciate contrast. 
I'll stop. I got to quit. Shout it, shout it one more time. Contrast. Let me show you. Law, grace, sin, forgiveness, iniquity, atonement, separation, reconciliation, Old Testament, New Testament. As long as the earth remains, seed time, harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter, day, night shall not cease. Contrast ain't never going to cease no matter how mad you are about everybody not being just like you. It ain't never going to change. Appreciate it for what it is. Clap your hands and give God a sanctified praise. Woo! I was thinking about companionship and how strong it is when you are somebody else. Pairs are powerful. Joshua and Caleb. Elijah, Elisha. Paul and Silas. Just to mention a few. Jesus sends his disciples out, not one by one, but two by two. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, if one can put a thousand to flight, then two can put 10,000 to flight. The question is, you want to get after a thousand or do you want to get after 10,000? If you want to get after 10,000, you got to connect your faith to somebody else and 10,000 will move and not come on in this building. I don't know why the Holy Ghost moving over here so strong and it looked like these folks is thinking about it. I'm going to preach to y'all for a little bit. Get you as excited as they are and tell you when you join your faith to somebody else, you can get a lot more done. Shout this right here. I can't do it by myself. I need a companion. All right, some of you are wondering. Are you serious right now? I don't need nobody. Is two really that significant in scripture? Really, Pastor Rick? Two trees in the garden, two testaments in the Bible, two olive branches in Zechariah, two great lights, the sun and the moon, two parts to man, male and female. Noah loaded the ark two by two. Two of his sons covered his nakedness. Two nations in Rebecca's womb. Two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 with two candlesticks. There's two horns on the altar. Two lights on the breastplate of the priest. Two commandments that all others hang on. Two angels standing over the mercy seat. Two angels sitting in the tomb of Jesus. Two tablets of stones for ten commandments. Two spies in Joshua chapter 2. Two courts to the house of God. The outer court and the inner court. Two choirs singing on the walls that Nehemiah built. Two mountains that were used for reading the blessing and the curse. Two fish that were blessed and fed a multitude. Two criminals crucified on each side of Jesus Christ. Two men on the mountain of transfiguration. Moses and Elijah. Two streams of forgiveness that flow down Emmanuel's side. Blood and water. And I just got started because time don't permit me to discuss with you that Abraham had two, Isaac and Ishmael. 
the sons of Isaac are Jacob and Esau, the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. There's something special about two. All through scripture, do this here. Two, 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 two. Two, not one. Let me tell you something. I was a dangerous stick of dynamite by myself. Don't tell me I wasn't. I know I was. But when I found this one, and Giovanna got on my boat, there ain't a storm we can't go through. There ain't a wind we can't face. There ain't a sickness that can take us out. There's not a discouragement that can get us down. There's not a depression that can stay in our house. Because now the devil does not have to fight just one of us. He has to fight both of us. Watch. I'll end. But why these two? Why these two? Are y'all bored? Does anybody want me to stop and let's just close it and say amen? Good, because I, I told you I want to preach today. He could have picked any two he wanted to pick. But he picked specifically Aaron and her. So I'm thinking about that. And I realized something. Aaron is from the tribe of Levi. Her is from the tribe of Judah. Right then, you should have got it. Mm. Right then, when I read that right there, somebody should have just jumped on. Hey! Somebody should have grabbed a handkerchief and, good Lord, have mercy. I'm going to say it again. Where are they from? I'll read it again. Aaron is from the tribe of her. I mean, Aaron is from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Aaron is from the tribe of Levi. Her is from the tribe of Judah. <laughs> Levi literally means to connect you to the tabernacle. Somebody throwing stuff now. Throw a shoe. To connect you to the tabernacle. That's, Le that's Levi. That's where Aaron's from. To connect you where? To the tabernacle. To be entwined. Judah means to praise or celebrate with open. With all your energy. Judah goes first. Praise opens. Worship closes. Praise is intensity. Worship is intimacy. Praise gets you to the outer court. Woo! But worship gets you in the inner court. I'm preaching better than y'all talking back to this sanctified preacher. Aaron represents the lamb. Her represents the lion.
You do not have correct spiritual equilibrium until you understand the doctrines of praise and worship. When Moses had his hands up, we winning. When his hands got weak, we losing. But when praise and worship shows up, there is guaranteed victory. That's why you cannot look at, oh, we just singing another song about praise God. No, praise is your weapon and worship is your warfare. You show, you show me a praising church and I'll show you a church where the revelation of preaching happens easily because Judah prays open stuff. It opens hearts. It opens minds. But when you're in a church that sits on praise, that has no expression, no soul, no emotion, preachers preach frustrated because they feel like their words are falling in front of the pulpit. But when praise has opened up to heaven, a preacher starts preaching and he feels like he's plugging in every time he speaks a word. You take me to a church where worship is essential and worship is important. I will show you a church that is healed, that is whole, that has learned the power of being intimate with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Word can only follow properly where praise and worship has already lived. Word is more impactful when praise has gone forth and worship has followed and the word invades. I saw on the right hand of him, he said on the phone, a book written, Within and on the backside sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look in the book. And I wept. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said to me, Weep not, behold, the lion! of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Why would he have to prevail if there was not a war? Why would he have to prevail if there, if there was not a fight? That's why your praise is so important because the enemy wants you to silence your praise. Praise prevails. Praise wins. Praise brings victory. Praise overcomes. Praise prevails. I will give you 10 sanctified Holy Ghost seconds to lift your voice and praise him. Throw your hands. 
open your mouth and praise him. Woo! 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 Be sure his mic is on. Watch this. Where you at? Let me hear you. Let me hear you one more time. Say it again. Thank you. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. of the throne of the four beasts in the midst of the elders and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb same chapter same verse like it had been slain and he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne and when he took the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the, the lamb well having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors which are the prayers of the saints. How important is your praise? It wins your battles. How important is your prayer? It builds stuff in heaven. What was working in Revelation chapter 5? The lion and the lamb. Aaron and her from Exodus is now living in Revelation chapter 5. Levi and Judah living in Revelation chapter 5. The lion and the lamb. If you ever get your equilibrium right, you will wake up in the morning. Your feet will hit the ground. One foot, praise. Lord, I praise you. Why do you praise him? You praise him for everything he's ever done in your life and you take your time with it. Keep that one foot on the ground and this foot in the bed and tell that foot go on. Give him praise. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for healing you. Thank him for delivering you. Thank him for calling you. Thank him for everything he's done for you. I ain't done. That's a post praise. And after you do that, give him a free praise. Thank you for everything you're going to do today. Thank you for everything you're going to do tomorrow. Thank you for everything you're going to do next week. And thank you for everything you're going to do next month. And thank you for everything you're going to do this year. And thank you for everything you're going to do next year. I praise you for what you're about to do. Give him a praise if you feel like something is about to happen. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah! I dare you to praise him like he's about to show up. Praise him like he's about to bring the answer. This ain't no game. This is the real thing, baby. You got to praise him when you want to, when you don't want to, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, you have to.
You praise him because of what he's done. Praise him for what he's about to do. Well, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. But they are new when now get your left foot. Put it on the floor and tell the Lord I'll worship you. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you're about to do. But I worship you for who you are. You are merciful. You are kind. You are loving. You are gentle. You are faithful. You are loyal. You are sovereign. You are God. You are majestic. You have strength. Worthy is the lamb that was slain for the sin. I worship you for who you are. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the great physician. You are the blesser. I thank you for who you are. You are consistent. worship you for who you are. So when Aaron and her have done their job, well, Israel wins in the valley. Tim, bring your mic and come up here. Come on over here. Man, when you start giving me that vitamin B3, hey! Vitamin B3, I can't help but preach. Now watch. Don't miss this. Aaron and her, Levi and Judah, praise and worship. Gives victory in the valley. Did y'all just hear that? What gave the victory? Praise and worship. Aaron and her, Judah and Levi. One on one side. And one on the other. Praise said, don't worry about it, Moses. I know you're tired. I got your back. Worship said, just hang in there, Moses. I'm with praise. We come as a team. We don't come in ones. We come in twos. I got your back, too. And as long as praise and worship was involved, victory was won in the valley. Well... After the victory is won, the Bible says Moses built. Moses built after his victory. He built an altar. Yes, sir. And he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is our banner. Or the Lord is our refuge. I was thinking tomorrow, everybody's going to put their American flags out. Right? Don't, don't be mad at the American flag. It's never done anything to you. I don't want to go there. I will say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I ain't going to go there. The purpose of a banner is to be seen. You don't raise a banner to hide it. You raise a banner for people to see it. The banner gives you identity. We are his. 
The banner is unmistakable. And it's unignorable. My God. The problem with the church is we've been hiding the banner. My God. Shout as loud as you can. Bring the banner back. Bring the banner back. What is he? He's a cloud in the daytime. He's a pillar of fire at night. They always had a banner to follow. They could always see their symbol. That is the presence of God. The presence of God should be the banner of the church. People should leave church buildings and not say, I heard a good lecture. Or that was really good music. No. People should leave every church saying, I felt the presence of God. My God. That's our banner. The enemy knows who we are when he sees our two hands raised. Oh my God, my God, my God. In praise and worship. The enemy knows who we are when he sees our two hands raised in praise and worship. These kind of messages are not antics. They're not calisthenics. They're not acts. These are the messages that set people free from generational curses. These are the messages that will save an entire household. These are the messages that will bring deliverance to your soul. These are the messages that will break soul ties. For some reason, we have wandered far from spirituality in the church. Everything's so logical. Everything's so analytical. Come on. Everything's so mental. Am I right? What has happened to Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Numa, breath, presence? God has not called me to lull people to sleep. No, sir. God has called me to wake your tail up. Come on. And tell you that there's some stuff required of you. God ain't going to do everything. The Bible says what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Heaven don't move up there until something moves down here. When you begin to praise down here, heaven starts moving up there. God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, I don't feel God. I don't feel God because you ain't praising. God does not inhabit the mental capacity of one. God inhabits the praises of his people. And you can study praise any way you want to. The seven expressions of praise. You can study praise as celebration. You can even study praise as whirling and twirling. You can study praise as a shout. You can study praise as a dance. But I'm going to tell you what you ain't going to get. The presence without praise. You're going to be stimulated mentally. You'll even be moved emotionally. 
in churches, but you're not going to be changed until the presence of God shows up in sanctuaries. And the presence ain't coming down until the praises go up. Sometimes I think we need to look back over our life <laughs> and realize what God has done for us. My God, you don't want me to start. 12 years old, 18 days in a hospital, lose 21 pounds, poison all through my body, and my oldest sister walk in that hospital room, lay her hand on my head, and say, Ricky, enough is enough. I weighed 95 pounds and I was 12 years old. And she said, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. You are healed. And I hadn't walked in 18 days. They put me on a plane in Atlanta, flew me to Baton Rouge in 45 minutes after she prayed for me. She sat by me on the plane, speaking in tongues loud enough for everybody on the plane to hear her for 45 minutes. And she was dignified, and she was elegant, and she was beautiful, and she didn't care. She prayed in tongues for 45 minutes. When the jet landed for the first time in 18 days, I stood up. They come with the stretcher on the plane to take me off. And my sister stopped them at the door. And she said, you ain't going to carry my brother off. He's going to walk right now for the first time in 18 days. I got up. I walked off that plane. I got in that ambulance. They took me to the doctor. She is in the ambulance with me. She started praising God. She started singing through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. She's singing all of, you know, a little of that. Through it all. Jamie, you know it. Through it all. You do know it. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. You better go ahead. I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His word. Now watch. She didn't sing it that good, but she could sing. We get to the hospital. They take me into the room. She starts singing. Lord, I thank you for all you've ever done for our family. I can hear her singing it. The doctor comes in there and does a blood work. They say it's going to take us an hour to find out what's going on. They come back, Pat, to my room. Now they got me in the room. My dad and my sister are in there with me. That's Madeline's grandmother. And they said, we don't know why he's here. Connie started singing like a songbird right there in the room, louder. He said, we can't find no poison in his body. And Connie stopped singing. She says, Ricky, what do you want to eat? I said, an almond joy. Give me an almond joy. First time I ate in 18 days, I devoured that almond joy. Y'all don't hear me. 
I ate the coconut and the chocolate, got it right down to the almond and sucked on that almond for a good 10 minutes. Well, I bit it one time. And I said, thank you, God, for healing me. Let me tell you something. You say, Pastor Rick, I ain't about all that expression, all that emotion. You better look back over your life. Somebody shout this with me. Jesus, I will never forget. I will never forget.